You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, moving over from ScoreZag Score and taking over here at Locked On. I want to thank you all for making this podcast your very first listen of the day. And now for some of you, your first watch of the day, that is right. The YouTube channel, we are humming along on YouTube. This is, I think, the fourth episode we've done there. Uh, You can check it out at Locked on Zags on YouTube, wherever you find YouTube videos. Please, please, please head there, hit that subscribe button. We're trying to get to 200 subscribers before Gonzaga takes on Duke on Black Friday. That game is coming up really fast. We got UCLA coming up as well. A ton of really exciting games on the docket for the Zags. You guys can check it out. Check this out wherever you get podcasts. Obviously, check out the YouTube channel as well. Today is another edition of Andy Locks. For those of you who are new to the show or new to Andy Locks, Andy Locks is a now I was going to say a segment, but it is now a weekly episode airing on Thursdays where you all listeners submit to me your hot takes about the season, about Gonzaga, about other teams in the WCC, about the Zags in the NBA, whatever the heck you have a hot take about that is somewhat related to Gonzaga basketball or just Gonzaga in general. I will take the take and I will grade it, whether it is too hot, too cold, or just right, a la Goldilocks. That's how we got the name. Shout out to Christian, a devoted listener from back in the ScoreZag score day who came up with this idea. You all have run with it in a way that I could not have possibly imagined. Seriously, this is the third full episode we have done this, and every time we have gotten over 20 different takes, I sincerely appreciate all of you reaching out with your takes now. Let's get into them. This first segment is going to be takes all about the UCLA game. You all were ready to talk about that game against the Bruins coming up on Tuesday. This first take comes from Zach Up Oz on Twitter, who says, I proclaim that Gonzaga will beat UCLA and Duke by double digits. So not quite the same prediction as my friend Aaron Smith, UCA on Twitter, who said Zags beat UCLA by double digits. All right, so we're talking, we're talking UCLA. Let's get right into it. I think... I think this is. I think both is too hot. I don't think Gonzaga beats both UCLA and Duke by double digits. But I also think that a double-digit victory is a. It's arbitrary, which we kind of already knew, and b. It doesn't necessarily indicate any level of blowout. Like you have to be 15 points or above for it to be really a game that I think they like really won. I think you can have like a five-point game until the final minute, and then a couple free throws bounce your way, and all of a sudden it becomes a 10-point victory. So I'm not sure that labeling it right at double digits is particularly meaningful, but that's not the point of this segment. These are just your takes, right? So I think both is too hot. I think beating UCLA by 10 or more points is absolutely doable. I think these two teams are very evenly matched, but I think two evenly matched teams can have a game that is decided by right around 10 points. This next one comes from Reed E123 on Twitter, who says five Zags will tally double-digit points versus UCLA in a close win over the number two team in the country. Yeah, I think this is just right. I think this is 100% reasonable to expect. You know, I think Drew Timmy, Chet Holmgren, Julian Strother, Rasir Bolton, all very likely to tally 10 or more points, uh, particularly if Gonzaga earns the victory, plays well in this game. After that, you're looking at a Andrew Nembhard. Anton Watson, Hunter Salas, Nolan Hickman, any of those guys are capable of scoring 10 points in a game. Five is probably a lot, 
which is why it's a good hot take. <laughs> when I say just right, I mean it's a quality hot take. Too hot means it's almost never going to happen. Too cold means it's almost certainly going to happen. Just right is like right in that sweet spot of that's a good hot take. And that's kind of what I think here. I think Gonzaga wins. I think it's a close win. I labeled in the first one that I think a close win still could be a 10-point victory. And I think five getting in double digits is tough. But with this team, with the depth that they have, uh, with the various ways they're capable of scoring, I think it's possible. This next one comes from Dad Risk on t- Twitter. He says, despite being ranked second in the nation currently, UCLA will be viewed as our third or fourth best win come March. Look, I love Pac-12 slander as much as the next person. I love UCLA slander. A lot of their fans were, were in my mentions being a little rude lately for a joke that I made on Twitter. So I'm all about it. But I think this is too hot. I fourth fourth best win is very unlikely to me. I think it's very possible that Duke and or Texas end up looking like better wins than UCLA. And I don't know that that's very likely, but I think it's possible. But another win also being better than that seems unlikely. It could be Alabama. It could, I suppose it could be BYU, who is being viewed as a top 25 team basically universally after they kicked the crap out of Oregon. Uh, It could be Texas Tech. But I don't think any of those wins are going to be viewed as better than UCLA. And I'm not sure that Duke or Texas are going to be either. I think UCLA, if Gonzaga wins that game, is going to be at least the second best win that this team gets. I'm not sure I get all of the I, I get the dislike for UCLA. I'm on board with that. But I don't know that I get the not feeling like this is going to be a very good team. They went to the Final Four last year. They returned 93% of their minutes, I think. They brought in a high-profile freshman in Peyton Watson. This is a really, really good team. Next two are both from Lucas Porter 8 on Twitter. He submitted these both at different times. I'm going to read them both because they're similar. Uh, the first one, Zags will hold an opponent to less than 48 points at least once this season. And then no team will score 90-plus points against Gonzaga in regulation this season. So we'll go with the first one, less than 48 points. I think this is a little bit too hot. 48's really tough. That's, that's a really low number. When Gonzaga blows people out, they bring in their reserves. Obviously, we've seen that already a couple of times this season. Mark Few seems to be finally being a little bit more willing to play some of those guys uh, more minutes instead of just the last two minutes of the game. So we'll see more of Ben Gregg, more of Caden Perry, potentially more of Martinez or Lauskas in those final few minutes. It's often an opportunity for those teams to rack up points that they weren't getting otherwise. Then again, BYU held Oregon to 49, <laughs> a second shot to get that game in the mentions for this episode. So it's possible. I don't think this is crazy outlandish, but I would I would not say that I think it's going to happen. But then again, that's what a hot take is for, right? Next one, same thing from Lucas. No team will score 90-plus points. This is almost too cold. I'd be very surprised uh, if a team scored 90 points on the Zags this year. Their their length on defense is incredible. We've talked about that at, at length, for lack of a better term, uh, with Anton Watson, Hunter Salas, Nolan Hickman. Those three guys are, are playing a lot of minutes this year. None of them are starters, but they're all great defensive players. Obviously, Chet Holmgren is just in a class of his own as a shot blocker, as a rim protector, as a just a defensive presence in general. I think Rasir Bolton... Andrew Nampard and Drew Timmy, who all play obviously a ton of minutes, the three leading minutes per game guys, are all fine defensive players. None of them are elite by any stretch of that, but they're all adequate and mixed with the rest of the guys in this team. 90 on the Zags is going to be really tough to do this year. All right, that is going to do it for the first segment. We're going to come back with some non-UCLA takes, non-Gonzaga defensive takes uh, in the second segment. Before we get there, though, let's talk about Made In. Have you ever wondered how your favorite restaurant consistently makes such delicious food? The short answer is, they have access to the right kitchen tools. With Maiden's professional quality cookware and kitchenware, anyone is capable of making restaurant quality food at home. 
If you are serious about cooking, you need to invest in your kitchen tools, and Maiden's cookware and kitchenware products are used by thousands of the world's best chefs. Maiden produces professional quality cookware for those who love to cook. They source the finest materials and partner with renowned craftsmen to make premium kitchen tools available directly to you without the usual markup. These products offer a lifetime guarantee and have over 40,000 plus five-star reviews. Right now, Maiden is offering our listeners 15% off your first order with the promo code LOCKEDON. This is the best discount available anywhere online for Maiden products. Go to madeincookware.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on for 15% off your first order. That's madeincookware.com slash locked on. Made in better cookware for better meals. All right, coming back, segment two, talking more listener submitted hot takes. In the first segment, we talked a lot about this upcoming game against UCLA, obviously the big one before we get to the Duke game on Black Friday. Two huge games coming up this week. You all had a lot of fun takes about that game. Now here in the second segment, more of the takes are about specific players on the roster. We'll start with this one from listener Christian. He said, Drew Timmy comes back for another year. I thought I thought we would see this one. Obviously, for those of you who watched the Texas game, uh, the broadcast mentioned that he thinks Drew Timmy could be a guy who comes back for a fourth year, becomes the Christian Leitner of college basketball, goes down as an, a true all-time great for the sport. I mentioned, I believe it got discussed in Mailbag Monday, I mentioned that I don't think it's particularly likely that Drew Timmy will come back. So I think this is a just right hot take because it could happen. It's not likely to happen. But I, I don't know. I don't think it's crazy. Drew Timmy's skill set is not super coveted in today's NBA. That's not a secret. It's been something discussed about him multiple times already. Last season, it's been discussed this season as well. And yeah, he dropped 37 on Texas and looks like he's going to be a national player of the year. Uh, It's his award to lose at this point. He's likely going to win it, barring some kind of collapse or another player stepping up in a major way. But again, he's not an outside shooter. He's not a great lateral moving defensive player. He's he's a good low post scorer. He's very good at that. It's just not a very coveted skill. He's a good but not great rebounder. He's an average-ish rim protector. I don't know that he would be even average at that in the NBA. Maybe he'd be about average at that. So I, I think there's some real questions of like, if these skills aren't going to carry over, why not come back and be like the face of college basketball. He already is, but doing it for a second season. Now with NIL, you do get some more financial opportunities, which is appealing. But the NBA is always going to come calling. And if he thinks he's going to get drafted in the second round, which he probably will, or at least close to it, it would be pretty difficult to resist coming back or going to the NBA. This next one comes from John via Gmail. He says, Andrew Nembhard averages less points per game this year while playing more minutes this year than he did last year. He also sent a really nice email with some lot, with a lot of thoughts on this. He mentioned that Nembhar averaged 9.2 points on 29.9 minutes per game last year, and then this year he's averaging 7.3 points in 31.3 minutes per game, and then if you use 40 minutes per game averages, that's exactly three points per game less. So yeah, Andrew Nembhard is scoring less this year. That is not a secret. It has been pretty apparent through the first few games. I think a lot of people expected him to to hunt for his shot more with less with without Joel Eiai, without Corey Kispert, without Jalen Suggs. Obviously, a ton of scoring from Gonzaga's backcourt no longer in the picture. But then, then again, they replaced that with Julian Strother, who's a walking bucket. They replaced it with Rasir Bolton, who looks like a very, very adequate scorer. They obviously still have Drew Timmy. Now you have Chet Holmgren. You want to get some offensive looks for him as well. 
there's not a lot of <laughs> there's a I mean there's too many points to go around. Like there's too many guys who can score on this team. And even though it's not as good of an offensive team as last year, Nembhard is the facilitator. He is the person in charge of getting the ball into the hands of the people who are going to score buckets. I think he's going to continue to look for that. I also think his scoring is going to tick up. He's averaging 7.3 points per game right now in about 32 minutes. I think he's going to continue to play 32 minutes, but I think his scoring is going to come up. Last year, though, he averaged 9.2. I kind of think that's about what he's going to do this year. So this take seems about right to me, almost too cold. I think this is going to happen. I think he's going to average around 9 points on around 32 minutes per game. I don't think that's bad. I don't think it's a problem at all. If he averages 9 points and and 6.5 assists, that's an extraordinary season from Andrew Nampart. I don't think there's an issue there at all. But I do think that the... The thought that many of us may have had about, oh, he's going to average 12 or 13 points per game because there's less scoring in the backcourt doesn't look like it's going to come true. This next one comes from Jacob Quarter 2 on Twitter, who says, both Hunter and Nolan will return to school next year if we do not win the championship. So I almost think this is too cold. I think they're almost certainly going to come back. I, I, I haven't gotten the impression as after the first few games that either of these guys are really going to be one and done players. And that's not a lack of a talent for either of them. The way Hunter Salas played against Alcorn State, if he continues to play like that, then I might change my tune here because he he absolutely has the skill set to be an NBA player very soon. He's still raw. He's still got some work, stuff he needs to work on, most notably the outside shot. It's really hard to draft guards right now who can't shoot. Um, they have to be elite at everything else. And while his athleticism is through the roof, his defensive instincts are through the roof, he would need to prove that he's absolutely elite at everything or show more of an outside shot to be an NBA player after his freshman year. Hickman is not playing enough. He's not He's not showing enough. Again, I think he's very talented, but he's not. nothing he has done up to this point makes me think he's ready to be an NBA player next year. I think both these guys are in line to be huge contributors to this team next season. And I think both of them are going to be back. Obviously, if Gonzaga wins a championship and they have a really, really strong run through the tournament, then, you know, things could change. But as of right now, I think it's very likely that both these players are back. This next one comes from Christian. He says, Mark Few coaches until the age of 70. Mark Few is currently 58 years old. This would be 12 more seasons. Yeah, I think that's just right. I think that's very, very possible for Mark Few. He doesn't seem to show any signs of not wanting to continue to be on the sidelines. Not that you would expect him to necessarily. Uh, His kid just got into college. He's still got a couple other kids. Maybe he wants to coach until they go through college. I'm not sure what his plan is there. But he doesn't strike me as somebody who's planning to hang him up earlier than he absolutely has to, basically. And there's not really any reason for me to believe that that'll be before the age of 70. Next one was from Garrett Glances on Twitter. He says, free Brandon Clark. Memphis needs to play him or trade him. The Grizzlies are wasting his talents, which is dumb since he appears to be the tailor-made. Let's try that again. He appears to be tailor-made to run with with Morant. So, yeah, I'm not really sure what the take is here necessarily, uh, but I agree. I agree with everything that you've said. Uh, Memphis is kind of trying, seems like they're trying to shoehorn him into a wing role. That's not really his game. It's similar to what Billy Donovan did with DeMontis Sabonis his rookie year with OKC. Sabonis wasn't very good his rookie year. The Thunder traded him alongside Paul George, or excuse me, a longtime Victor Oladipo to get Paul George. Oladipo and Sabonis developed into stars in Indiana because Indiana used DeMontis Sabonis the way he should be, which is grab a bunch of boards and then be a facilitator at the top of the key. He obviously improved as an outside shooter, but 
That's kind of what I feel like is happening with Memphis. They're trying to turn him into this outside shooter. They want him to play the wing role. And I get it. He's 6'8". He has a 6'8 wingspan. You could think that, oh, he should be playing the three instead of the four. But that's not his game. And it's weird because they drafted him. They should know this. right? They should know that he's a shot blocker. He's a rim protector. He's a highly explosive athlete around the rim. He's an elite finisher at the basket. And they're not utilizing him that way. I don't think they're going to trade him. Uh, so I, if this is a take, I think it's too hot. I don't think he's going to get traded. I don't think they're going to play him dramatically more minutes. Maybe they will. He's had a, a couple of really good games lately. But it's kind of a bummer situation to see Brandon Clark stuck in a role that doesn't seem to suit his skill set, especially after we saw how good he's capable of being when he's playing the right role. All right. Coming back in the third segment, we're answering more Listeners submitted hot takes. I love this episode. I love this segment, what we do here. Please, 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 if you have any takes, you can always submit them. If you have feedback on the show, you can always submit that as well. This is a super fun episode for me, so I'm really glad that we're going to keep doing it, at least through the third segment. Before we get there, though, let's talk about Bet Online. Bet Online is back and better than ever. Bet Online has a new web interface for the start of the NBA and college basketball seasons and features more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all of the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKED ON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball postseason, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. All right, third segment, more listener submitted hot takes. This first one comes from Christian. He says, before the end of November, the top three teams in the nation are the Zags, UCLA and Duke. Love it. Love it. How fun would this be if Gonzaga had played numbers two and three in the country? I think this is just right in the sense that I don't, it's really hard to say who the top three teams in the country are going to be uh, in November. It's really, really tough to say. And saying it by the end of November is tough. These two, these teams are all going to have losses. All these teams are going to have losses. Duke is playing the Gonzaga. UCLA is playing Gonzaga, obviously. So they're going to have losses. So expecting them to be one of the top three teams in the nation is tough. It's tough to say that because they're going to have these losses. But I think that throughout the season, definitely there's a, there's a real possibility that all three of these teams are sitting on the top three spots uh, when, when the polls come out on Mondays. This next question also from Christian. He says, Texas wins the Big 12 in men's basketball. An important distinction to note there and is an Elite Eight team. I think this is just right. I think this is going to happen. Uh, I, I, Texas is really good. They did not look great against Gonzaga. I know a lot of people have kind of used that game to to be, be negative about Texas, and I can understand certainly national media doing that. I don't really understand Gonzaga fans doing that because shouldn't the takeaway from that game be, hey, Gonzaga's really, really good, not, oh, that team must be bad. That's not really the way that I saw it. Yeah, they, they could not figure out how to guard Drew Timmy. Yeah, they should have made adjustments on that. There's some evidence after the game that they were expecting Gonzaga to inbound the ball to Drew Timmy or to make the entry passes on the wings. Gonzaga kept doing it from the middle of the floor. It really threw off their game plan. Still should have probably made some adjustments, but I'm going to give Chris Beard a little bit of hesitation there or a little bit of leniency there because it's a new team. He's got seven transfers on the roster. It's their second game of the season. It's hard to make pretty pronounced 
mid-game adjustments. Gonzaga had a better game plan. They executed the game plan really well, and when Texas was not able to adjust, they just hammered it home and continued to do it. It was great coaching, great execution by Gonzaga's players. I don't think it reflects super negatively on Texas long-term. It didn't look good in the short term. I understand that. But when this team gets gets gelled, when Chris Beard makes some adjustments as the season goes on, I think they're going to be a really good team, and I would not be surprised at all to see them in the Elite Eight. This next one comes from Mark via Gmail. He says, on December 18th, the University of Washington Huskies will play Seattle U for the right to call themselves the fourth best team in the state behind Gonzaga, Washington State, and Eastern Washington. Who? Boy, I love this eastern side of the state all the way. I would love to be able to say that the, of the five Division I teams in the state of Washington, the top three are on the east side of the state and the last two are on the west side of the state. But this is too hot. I do not think that by December 18th, Eastern will be definitively better than either Seattle U or UW. I think that that game will be a battle for third behind Gonzaga and Washington State. I think that's almost certainly going to be the case. Right now, Gonzaga is obviously the number one team in the country. Ken Palm has Washington State, I think, 55th, whereas the rest of these schools are all outside of the top 150. So, yeah, I think for sure Gonzaga and Washington State are going to be the top two teams. I don't think Eastern Washington is going to be ahead of either of those schools. Keep in mind, Eastern Washington, very new team. They lost a ton of players to the transfer portal last year. They lost their coach, Shantae Leggins. I just don't think that they're going to gel and be a good enough team in time to be better than either Washington or Seattle U. Would love it. Don't get me wrong. I would love it. But I think it's a little too hot to, to expect that to be the case, especially that early in the season. That's only a month away. The next question comes from Upper ninety five two one five on Twitter, who says the strength of the WCC this year will result in more quad one and two games in conference than quad three and quad four. Yeah, it's a pretty hot take. Obviously, you still got your Portland's. You still got Pepperdine, San Diego. San Diego's a little bit better, but they're still not going to be up in that quadrant necessarily. Uh, but obviously, with BYU where they are, with St. Mary's where they are, with San Francisco where they are, with Santa Clara where they are, we'll talk about them in a second, but they've looked fantastic so far this season. This is a great WCC year, a fantastic season for the conference. I think they're 22 and seven, something like that. They have five, five teams in the top 100 for Ken Palm ratings. Uh, just an incredible season so far for, for the conference. Obviously not just Gonzaga, not just BYU beating the tar out of Oregon. Third time, get to mention that game on here. Um, not just Santa Clara beating Nevada and Stanford, although that's been huge too. USF's look good. St. Mary's has looked good. It's been a really, really fun year. And I think that Gonzaga will get a better non-conference slate by the end of the year because of it. This next one comes from my friend Asher Lowe, A Lowe underscore 33 on Twitter, former guest on the Score Zag Score podcast, also a Locked On member as well. He's the host of Locked On Badgers podcast and a diehard Pepperdine fan. A lot going on with Asher. He says, Santa Clara is who everyone thought LMU was going to be. Yeah, this is absolutely true. Again, it's not really a take, but it is a, it is a fact. Uh, LMU, everybody was thrilled about the Lions coming into the season. They're well-coached. Eli Scott was a veteran guy returning to the team, big power forward who can play multiple different roles. They also had some really nice grad transfers coming in. That was the hype around LMU. Santa Clara has the same recipe. They're a well-coached team. They have Yusuf Frankich, who is a good, experienced big man back again for this season. Then they have P.J. Pipes, a really, really good transfer guard who has been lighting it up from beyond the arc. So a very similar recipe. Everybody was in on LMU. Not as many people excited about the bigs at Santa Clara and the returning players that they had. But they have been the team to watch right now. Like I said, huge win over Nevada. Beat the tar out of Stanford. Really, really fun to see what they've done this year. I think they have a chance to be really good. 
Like, I don't know that they're, the tournament is tough because you have to, you know, they have they, to make the tournament, they probably have to play in the WCC championship game. And that means they got to beat either St. Mary's or BYU or both to get to that championship game. I'm not saying that's not doable. It is. But they're going to have to be really good because they probably lose two to Gonzaga in conference. I don't think they sweep BYU and St. Mary's in conference. There's at least one more loss there, maybe two. So it's a tough road. It's a tough ask. But they've got some non-conference wins out of the way that are pretty solid. And I think they have the ability to lose very few games in conference play. And that could make them a potential tournament team, which is so much fun. Last one. This one's another one from Christian. He says, Zags three-point percentage for the year, 36.8, which is what they shot in the Texas game. Christian, it's also what they shot in the Alcorn State game. So I think this is just right. I think it is doable, and I would not have said this before the season started because this was the big concern for this team coming into the year. Andrew Nampard, not a great outside shooter. Rasir Bolton, not a great outside shooter. He has proven that incorrect through the first few games. Hunter Salas, not viewed as a good outside shooter. Dominic Harris, viewed as a good outside shooter, but out for at least a while, potentially the entire season. It's hard to say at this point. But we knew Julian Strother could shoot. We knew Chet Holmgren was going to shoot. And then Rasir Bolton came in and absolutely lit it up. Has been incredible from beyond the arc so far this season. We'll see if we get more from Nolan Hickman. We haven't seen a ton from him yet, but I think he's capable of being a contributor as an outside shooter as well. 37% or 36.8% is tough. I still think it'll probably be a little lower than that. But after they've, they've done it twice, two of their three games, it's hard to say that that's too hot of a take. They can obviously are, They're obviously capable of shooting around that range from beyond the arc. If it was up if I was a betting man, I'd say 34, 35% would be my guess, but it's not crazy to think that they shoot up in that 36, 37% range. All right, thank you again, everybody, for indulging the Andy Locks segment. I have a blast as always. I hope you continue to support the seg- segment all season long. I love listening to your takes. Uh, this is the last show, the second to last show of the week. The last show of the week will of course be a preview of Gonzaga's Friday evening game against Bellarmine, and we'll take a look at how some of our Zags are doing in the NBA before we head into the weekend, all right here on the Locked On Zags podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts, soon to be, or excuse me, already available on YouTube. Check it out. Hit that subscribe button if you have not already. Sincerely appreciate it. Another reminder, podcast links will be available on Twitter at Locked On Zags and on my personal Twitter account, which you can find at ScoreZagsScore. Finally, thank you again for making this show your first listen of the day. Now is a great time to make your second listen the Locked On Bets podcast. Locked On Bets is your one, your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags! <laughs>